Folks, a quick message from our sponsors, Know Before. So what's a con game? It's a fraud that works by getting the victim to misplace their confidence in the con artist. In the world of cybersecurity, we call confidence tricks social engineering. And as our sponsors, Know Before, will tell you, human error is how most organizations are compromised. What are some of the ways organizations are victimized by social engineering? We'll find out here in just a minute. Now, our sponsors' questions about forms of social engineering come in this form. Know Before will tell you that there's human contact, there can be con games. It's important to build the kind of security culture in which your employees are enabled to make smart security decisions. To do that, they need a new school security awareness training. See how security culture stacks up against Know Before's free phishing test. Get it now at knowbefore.com forward slash phishing test. That's knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Now, no before wants to thank you for listening to the show and I want to thank them for sponsoring it. They are the provider of the world's largest security awareness and simulated fishing platform. Be sure to take advantage of their free fishing test, which you can find at knowbefore.com forward slash fishing test. Think no before for your security training. From the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio, you're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast Tech Corner. And now, join me in welcoming your host and CISO, James Azar. Hello, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Veteran November. I hope you guys are doing amazing. We're towards the end of this month of November right around hoppy jolly thanksgiving time depending on where you are in the country either celebrating with your family or alone just make sure you do it safely subscribe right now to our podcast um december we're going to have some great content coming your way as well but if you haven't listened and you're tuning in because of the young gentleman that's going to be joining me right now and we're going to have an awesome conversation uh, make sure you go and check out all of our previous episodes for veteran november you can find all of our content on our website at cyberhubpodcast.com but joining me right now here virtually in the world of zoom but we're not on zoom the world of virtual meetings rob odin who's a cybersecurity architect rob welcome thank you for having me i'm so excited to have you on we're having a great conversation with less track of time and uh that's 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 what that's what happens on my shows i feel like like we get too chatty Maybe we should just not be chatty on a podcast, right? Just stare at each other. I wonder if that podcast would work. Like, think of like a podcast where two people just stare at each other silently. Well, it'd be a great podcast for introverts. Just have people there, but not having to invade your personal bubble. <laughs> right. Like, like just you're, you're, you're podcasting through your eyes. You're like. <laughs> like, hey. <laughs> Or just just have like an audiobook just playing on the background and you're just staring at each other without any actual communication. That, yeah. that, that, you know, that would be a very interesting human experiment, wouldn't it be? Well, you know, it's like a whole experiment where if you want to fall in love with somebody, stare in their eyes for 30 seconds or continue to a couple minutes, right? You know, this is crazy. Just have like different type of mood, either music or words, and then just have people not saying anything, just looking each other in the eyes yeah yeah can you imagine if like going to a job interview we're talking about job interviews earlier and like the the interviewing manager just sits there completely silent just looking at your eyes i I have i have been to job interviews where there's that 15 to 30 seconds just 
you have multiple people in the room and nobody talks first and you're just like, do I say something? Do you... I'm just going to stand wait? here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 that's a very, by the way, that's like a psychological thing, right? Yeah. So the person who's interviewing you is actually testing you to see whether or not you have the confidence to break the ice. That's typically what that is. And so whenever there's like, if they don't greet you right away and they're kind of like looking at you, you should be like, hey, I'm Rob. Really nice to meet you. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. It's COVID. Let me give you an elbow. Yeah. <laughs> Air five. Yeah. All right. So, Rob, ta- tell us a little bit uh, and tell our audience um, a little bit about um, what branch of the military you served in, how long you served for. Okay. Uh, so, I was in the United States Air Force for a little over seven years. I did the traditional six-year enlistment with an extension to take my last duty assignment. Um, and while I was in, I was a computer network cryptograph switching system. So it was a 2E2. Basically, that was the guy that if it had memory or a CPU in it, we were expected to fix it or learn how to fix it and get it working. Oh, you guys didn't call like the Microsoft Support Center in India for help? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not going to lie. There are some fantastic <laughs> contractors that would come out on site. But when you're in conditions like, you know, either the sand or the heat or human area, they're like, get this to work. Like, this is violating every single spec. Yeah, but we got to go in mission in 30. So get it going. Yeah, get it. It's funny because people will be like, nothing can function in an environment. You're like, you've never met anyone in the military. (laughs) Okay, I need some duct tape, a blow dryer and a vacuum cleaner. And we should be able to get at least 30 minutes to an hour out of this. Right, like the weirdest things, like the weirdest stuff all of a sudden becomes like critical. Like everyone in the military appreciates duct tape. Yeah. Super glue. Uh, and uh, a dolly. And uh, I yeah, once had to move. Ties. And zip ties. Oh, zip ties, man. You do not leave home without a pack of zip ties. I, I once had to put an AC unit on the top of a HAZ, which is a, an aircraft hangar. Uh-huh. Uh, because we had an antenna up there that needed to be so, and the only way to lock it down was zip ties, duct tape, and five fifty cord. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, zip ties. <laughs> I still have zip ties. Everyone, my wife answers me about my obsession with zip ties, and I'm like, do you realize these save lives? Hey, man, I'm from South Alabama, <laughs> and duct tape is my go-to. Uh, South Alabama. <laughs> it's pretty much what keeps our cars together yeah, yeah. and part it's... of our roof. <laughs> do, do, do not underestimate the versatility of some nice silver gold. Yep. I love it. How'd you get into cyber? So you you did a little bit of cryptology in, 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 in the service, yep. right? But was that kind of your intro into the world of information security? So I had two weird ones, right? So uh, I've been doing this since 2004. So I was in from 2004 to 2011 and went directly into an actual cyber focus. Um, before this, my job was networking, system administration, uh, UAVs, really weird operating systems to just run interesting uh, either aircraft or collection systems. But cybersecurity was a component, right? We I had to do certifications, hardening, but it wasn't the focus. Um, I was actually getting, when I was getting out, I was going to be a network engineer, 
right? I, I had my CCNA. Um, I was working on my CCNP. And I was like, okay, that, that's a one-for-one -one civilian. Um, and I went to a company thinking I was going for a computer, uh, excuse me, a, a network engineer position. And I get called, you know, my interview's 12. There's a room full of other men and women in there. And it's like, Rob, uh, excuse me, Robert. And I'm like, yeah. I go into the room. We're having a conversation. I'm getting asked hardening questions. I'm getting asked, you know, technology here and there. A little bit weird, but I'm like, okay, yeah. Um, and then the interview kind of like looks at me and goes and says, okay, that's great. I think we got the technology part out of the way. Now let's talk about compliance. Can you speak to me about your experience, you know, leading and implementing compliance programs? And I'm like, I have no experience leading or, you know, and the the hiring manager just looks at my resume. I mean, looks at the resume in her hand and goes to me and says, uh, your resume says you have eight years experience in compliance. So like my resume does not say and I hand it over, and she does this, like, little comparison. Pauses for this awkward, like, five to ten seconds, like, you are not the person I'm supposed to be speaking with. Uh, and we just looked, and I thought, okay, great. Uh, this was a fun exercise. Uh, and she says, you know what? This has been pretty good. I, do you want to finish? And so, like, fine. And ask questions. And, again, I shared uh, either ancillary experience that could be applied or, you know, acknowledged areas that I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the background in such as, you know, more of the documentation side of the house or more of the specific compliance standard they were looking for. But strangely enough, uh, my experience, my willingness to, you know, own my, where I was strong at and almost more importantly, where I needed to grow an acknowledgement of that. Um, I got in my car. I had a couple voicemails waiting from the other recruiter being very mad because I ghosted him. And he's like, actually, I was talking to your company and talking to another recruiter. I was talking to another hiring manager. And he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a call back in a few minutes. And then I get a call uh, 30 minutes to an hour um, saying, hey, we'd like to give you an interview. went great. We'd like to give you a job offer. And I'm like, uh, this is Rob Odin. Are you sure you got the right person? And they're like, no, we... The, the hiring manager says, yeah, there's some areas you need to grow, but uh, we think you'd be a great foot. And it was an information system security engineer uh, versus a network engineer. And I had a couple of network engineering uh, offers before transitioning. And I was like, you know what? This seems interesting. And that happened in 2000 and, uh, beginning of 2011. And I haven't turned back. I've gotten fantastic opportunities to, to get more into this challenging space. But, but that is how I kind of transitioned from, even though, again, my cyber uh, background wasn't as primary focus, but because, uh, one, I was able to share my experience, say, here's how it could be applied. But two, someone had that willingness and says, hey, we think this guy would be great uh, and, and, and would be uh, a beneficial part of our team. Th that's interesting. So tell me a little bit about your um, transition in, in 2011. So your transition is, you know, fairly recent, less than a decade. Um, yeah. Did you you transition directly into the civilian private workspace or did you end up going through to DIC? 
and, and, and most people, the, 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 for people who don't know what the DIC is, it's the, the, the defense industrial complex, uh, yeah. which is which is pretty much uh, where you leave the military and you go do the same exact job for a lot more money. Which, <laughs> which is what I did. Uh, okay, now, so uh, talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, as you know, getting out of the military is the scariest thing you'll ever do in your life. I've been right. shot at. I've had things blow up around me. I was on the DMZ surrounded by people who you could see in their eyes wanted you dead. Um, I have not been that long-term scared of this has been my life, my entire like, – I, I would join the military six days after graduating high school. And my entire adult career was military. And to go into something uh, where you – for interviews, you – there's non-committal. It, it was a ridiculously scary thing. Right. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I always – so I, I mentor younger troops that are getting out, and one of the conversations that I have is there's a lot of resources on base. There's your uh, veterans network. Uh, those of us who have our DD form uh, 214, we want you to succeed. We want you to share experience. So uh, I was very lucky. I got out in um, the Washington, D.C. area. And the reason I say it's lucky for that is that there are uh, the DICs. There, there is a lot of, if you just want to do a same, same, you can do that. If you want to go something that's a little bit of a pivot, there's that infrastructure. And so I went to the job fairs that were specifically tailored to uh, veterans or GS employees getting out, wanting to either do one of the uh, uh, defense industrial base uh, companies or, you know, uh, go to a more commercial focus. And... Uh, I took an opportunity to get doing Izzy work for uh, some of the uh, intelligence community uh, customers. And so we're just kind of, again, very customer focused, but of a kind of a shift from being one and a part of it, creating a service or creating a product. Um, and that conversation and that kind of back and forth uh, wasn't interesting from, I had, I, I talked to a number of veterans who had did the, uh, switch over in the last couple of years. I used my base resources to help me go through my resume to make sure that it was clean. Um, and then I just went through a lot of interviews where I failed a lot. Like I just, cause you're going to suck. You're just going to, it's just like anything. Right. Um, and then ask for feedback and then ask for some of my mentors of like, Hey, what am I doing wrong? Or how can I be better? And uh, another thing that I think is really important is that usually veterans, you have that a period of time when you know your your enlistment is ending. So take advantage of that runway that you have. And that's what I did. I, I knew I was going to get out about six months. And I started having the conversations. I started going through interviews, uh, feedback on the certifications and what my resume was saying. And more importantly, what my resume wasn't saying or wasn't reflecting on my experience. And... Uh, that kind of helped me get, and again, I'm still in the defense industry base. Um, I work for L3 Harris, uh, which is the sixth largest aerospace and defense uh, contractor, uh, excuse me, defense industry based contractor in the US, 10th in the world. Um, so my commercial world has been very still parallel, if you will, with the US government. And it's been kind of beneficial because it's easier to translate my experiences from both in the service and uh, government focus to more the commercial world so so being in the defense industrial complex obviously 
um, kind of keeps you wrapped in the similar experiences that you have in the Air Force, right? When you talk about bombing interviews, tell tell me a little bit. Were they uh, private life? Was was it to private companies? Was it still within the DIC? And and what'd you take away from those interviews? Because I think that's you know I don't want to bring back your failures, right? Right, Rob. Like, yeah. That's not what I'm trying to do today. But I feel like. We always talk about our successes, but I learn so much more from my failures than I ever do from my success. Yeah, so uh, I, I I had the opportunity to, uh, I interviewed at uh, a couple other, some really awesome marquee companies. I interviewed, I got flown out to uh, Amazon, uh, flown out to uh, CBS, talked to their CISO uh, for a position, uh, and uh, a couple of, uh, electrical uh, companies, more of your SCADA systems. Um, Amazon was really interesting. Um, I'm not an application developer guy. I don't have that background. And I've communicated, like, here's where my strengths are and here's where it wasn't. Um, right. And the other interviews were great. And when we got into the technical for applications, it, it was the writing was clear on the wall of, I don't have the foundational skills that this particular position was looking for and no amount of sharing auxiliary experience or, you know, it just wasn't the right fit. Um, there was another position where there, for the CBS position, there was a question on uh, the amount of time that I had spent in my career. Uh, I think at that I was at 12 or 13 years um, in, and I was, I have, because of the lucky, because of the experience of being able to do things quicker and faster and younger, um, my peers were 15, 20 years experience. Um, then there was just, I didn't, two, two interviews, I didn't prepare for. I came cocky. I came uh, in there like, I got this. Man, I'm, I'm talking at conferences. And then go in there and not understanding and being able to speak to the pain points of the hiring manager of the company. and. A walking away from that going like I did this to myself um, I, I could have came in there and been able to uh, be concisely explain how my experience could assist with this organization and because I didn't do that basic research or ask the questions of like what what is the what is the problem you need me to come in and help solve or help grow past and because I didn't do that um, and that was and that was one of the feedbacks that I got, and I was like, you know, I, I really appreciate that because I thought I was perfect for this position, and just uh, I don't want to say cocky, but I I just felt like I'm good without treating it like bringing my A game for that. And then uh, there was one instance where uh, there was a retail company, a very large retail company that I went in and talked to, and there was a concern that because of my military and government background, uh, that I would be too rigid. That I'd be too conservative, that I would be too, um, you know, compliance focus versus being able to, I, yeah, I, I, and, and I've had conversations with my peers in that industry. Um, like, have you met someone in the military? Do you know that every single time we do a different assignment, it's a different world and you have to hit the ground running and you have to bend to the needs of that particular mission, business, whatever have you. Um, but yeah, so for, from those failures, right, uh, it, I looked at saying, hey, if I'm going to go to an industry that is not a one-for-one, one, how do I change my language to 
alleviate some of those concerns that yes, I can, you know, I can apply my knowledge and have the flexibility of both my perspective and the way I approach something for how your business and the the risks that are associated with your business and your needs versus just uh, this is what the stig says or this is what I've always done. If that yeah. answers your question, it 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 does. I mean, the the failures are. <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll say this. When you leave the military, you are stepping out to a world where there's a honeymoon stage. The honeymoon stage is I'm not waking up at 0400 to do PT. I don't have to do my bed. In fact, the messy bed makes you very, very happy, right? Like you get. I haven't up- made my bed since I got my DD214. Um, it drives my wife crazy, but yeah, yeah. The, the, there's there's a, a little of that kind of like that little rebel in you, and mm-hmm. and it steps away. And there's that honeymoon piece, and that honeymoon piece, which you know, for a lot of people who did multiple tours and would be gone for ten, twelve, thirteen months, come home for a month or two, and then go back, go retrain, go back, come back. Uh, when they leave after eight, ten, twelve, fifteen, seventeen years. 20 years it's 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 very weird for him to be home and realize that i don't have to be anywhere in two three months and then as you start to look for jobs you you don't quite wrap your head around the challenges within the civilian industry and in fact you know i I keep telling people that are in the service now make friends with your friends with the contractors that are coming on base, uh, build your network, attend events outside the military, you know, go find, you know, chamber events, but and just go and introduce yourself and sit in and listen because beyond your set of skills in the military, you need to know business. Absolutely. And I, 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 Oh, go ahead. No, no, please finish. So, um, even the military, your business, like the Air Force. Air Force is a delivery service. Whether it's people, goods, munitions, it's a delivery service. Everything you do is supporting that delivery service. Whatever business you have is understanding what is the business, whether it's military, whether it's retail, whatever whatever has it, we're, we're supporting that business. And it's kind of that paradigm shift, I think I, I completely 100% agree. It's finding out, talking to the peers, and... If you can take that mentality of understanding that the mission to the business needs and how similar those are, you know, it, it just puts a person, it opens up their options. 100% agree. Yeah. You, one thing that I will say for people listening as we wrap up this Veteran November month here and um, we, we kind of uh, uh, near the end of it. And, and next year we'll come back roaring. And on November 30th, folks, Monday, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, um, we'll be having our um, veteran toast for the month. Um, anyone can join as long as you're a veteran. Just complete the form that's on our uh, web, uh, on our social media pages. Apply to attend. I'll send you a link. We'll send you a link and uh, join our private Zoom conversation. It won't be aired. It'll just be bringing back some of our camaraderie and brotherhood. Uh, within the industry virtually for now and hopefully in in person over the course of the next year or so as we uh, lead up to another awesome veteran November uh, in 2021. But there's an aspect of 
and I lost my train of thought. Just like that, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> Just like that. Understanding business, okay? Yes. If you get anything out of this, if you want to get into InfoSec, it's not just to be an analyst. It's not just to be a, a, a red teamer or a blue teamer. It's You have to understand business. You've got to come in with a business mindset. You've got to know what's important for a business. Research the company. If you're going to go interview for a job out of the military, look at their balance sheet. Look at what their CFO and CEO said if they're a publicly traded company at their last you know, uh, shareholder meeting about their goals and, and, and so forth. Find the CISO. Read his blogs. Read his outlook on security. Read what 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 he's after go in with some homework but know the business right i mean if you don't know the business you, you'll have a very difficult time and you'll fail more times than you'll succeed unfortunately well even if you went to a company right and you go and you get job you get hired into it and that's a mission or that's a business that you you can't feel impassioned and you don't feel just as you know there was times when uh in the military right you don't get a control of where you're going. You don't get control which mission or which part of the mission you're supporting or going behind. Uh, that's one of the things I think is beautiful as being a vet, you know, not being in the military, is I get to pick the mission that I get to be excited about. I get to pick the team. Um, so when you're interviewing, it's both ways, right? One, they got to see can you help with that mission and be supportive of it. But also for yourself is, hey, this is something that's going to make me, I, I love my job. And this is not just because my boss might be watching this, but I actually love my job. It's challenging. I work with people who are smarter than me. I uh, get to, my leadership understands it. They understand not just the, the challenges that are facing us, but they support that. Um, they support us challenging the norm. Uh, and because the, and I'm able to feel like the mission that we do for the company that I work for and the other uh, programs, governments that I have been able to since getting out of the military, I got to pick and say, yeah, I want it. That's awesome. What you do there, that's fantastic. Not just the job, just not the money, but taking that passion of when I was in the Air Force, I supported UAVs. I supported the warfighter. And we were talking about earlier, right? Um, my specific role contributed to people getting the information that they needed and be able to respond accordingly. That made me feel excitement. And so as for someone who's looking at getting out, and if you love, say, hey, I want that, I want that mission, that's the business. That's what they do. And see if that's something like SpaceX, you want to make rockets blow up, fantastic. Find out the mission, find out what that is. And to be honest, from the peers that are non-military, that's where I've seen them fail in IT and IT security, where they think it's about the technology, where they think it's about, you know, this vector of attack without understanding what the business is that they're supporting and what's an acceptable risk or what's not an acceptable risk or how does cybersecurity enable the business to do what they need to do versus being kind of a gate. Uh, so again, I, I don't think it's just a veteran thing. But I, I think it's a fantastic experience of taking that passion, taking the understanding of the mission, the business unit, and then understanding how our roles would contribute to that. And how would you want to be part of uh, that success yeah. without being rah-rah? <laughs> I will say this to all the veterans that are listening, to all the people who are in active duty that are listening, to anyone, study the CMMC. Yeah. 
let me tell you something, folks. I've studied it. I'm going to have uh, uh, um, the sister for DOD on, Katie Arrington. She's implementing. Um, she's going to be on the podcast soon. Um, and, and I encourage everyone to tune in to that one because it's we're going to dig deep into CMMC. You heard it here first, Rob. I want all the credit when this happens. Don't no <laughs> one take this away from me. CMMC will be adopted by every major Fortune 500 CISO as a way to vet their supply chain going forward. Do you think when it's going to replace 27,001 as the standard? No. Well, 27,001 is just simply a cert. CM, yeah. And, well, I, and, yeah. And, and so, like, you look, I think it's going to replace SOC 2. Okay. I think I CMMC in three to five years will. SOC 2 will be obsolete. And I'll tell you why. Because CMMC, for the first time in, in a very, very long time, you can look at the government and you can look at the bodies that helped write this piece of compliance together and you can be like, wow, this makes sense. It's not a one-size-fits-all policy. It's a, what data are you getting? What are you processing? Okay, you need to be this level compliant. What do you do? How critical are you to the mission? You need to be this level compliant. So what that does for CISOs as they start to study CMMC is when I'm treating my supply chain, when I'm looking downstream at companies that give me services, I no longer have to have a universal statue. I can create a questionnaire within my organization of what data are they getting? What are they using the data for? How are they processing it? Three questions. From that, I can deduce, and that can be automated, right? If they answer this, 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 and this, it can be automated to what level of compliance we expect from our vendor and what level audit they need to do and be certified on. Because remember, CMMC, unlike anything else, is annual. It's effective, and it's based on really what's critical, right? Which is not only security controls, but data classification and data management. Which is uh, both areas that I specialize in. So right. yes, I. <laughs> which it's you're absolutely right on the ability to prioritize. And if you need to, right? Let's say you only have one small segment of your mission or your business that needs to be five. Then your entire right. corporate network doesn't need to be five. You can focus the. You can well, insulate it to be like this. That does this critical damage. Boom! Here you go. Maintain a minimum level for the rest. And then specialize where you need. So you're not taking a broadsword, which is kind of like the 853 to me uh, right. was when we were trying to do that, right? The behemoth. Uh, it, it, they tried to do that with the overlays, but I, we, we're doing our own process for it. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very fascinating. I think I think it took the uh, the cybersecurity framework that mentality, right, of being modular and being effective. And yeah, uh, being able to trust that my supply chain, that because it, it's when data is not just for even the large companies, it's the medium sized companies and then the small sized companies. And, and it doesn't matter if that sensitive data got spilled by the small company or the large company, it's still out there, it's still gone. So having that kind of assurance that there's this minimum level of, hey, we, we agree that this, because of the sensitivity of this data, is being shared and how we agree upon how we're going to treat and do these additional things. I, th I think that I, I agree. I think that is powerful and it's going to be fantastic to see 
once this starts getting implemented, once it, once organizations start being maturing and understanding, and there's this information sharing, I, I, it's uh, an exponentially powerful because it's not just one company. It's not just the Lockheeds or the Boeing's that are doing this, right? It's, it's across the board. Right. Uh, yeah, it's every, and it's every organization, right? And when yeah. you look at when you look at corporate um, um, the, the the Fortune 500s, the global conglomerates. And you look at a lot of the breaches that happened pre-COVID, right? COVID brought us back to the Stone Age of breaches um, because it changed endpoints. It changed how people work. It created um, a, a level of insecurity or vulnerability that we had managed before because everyone would come into one office, plug into one network, work in a specific matter. And now everyone works from home and, and there's a whole bunch of, of, of threats with that. And I don't want to get stuck on that. And we're almost out of time. So I want to be respectful of that as yeah. well. But I will say this. Um, CMMC is going to be the way big companies are going to look downstream at their supply chain and look at their BSOs, the business information security officer. That's a role that does exist within cyber folks. So if you're a business minded and you come from combat and, and you understand mission and you understand value and you understand risk, look at the BSO path. How do I become a business information security officer? That's a role that's going to grow significantly over the next several years. But if you're able to bring in the CMMC to your BSO role and sell it across your organization, at that point, you create um, um, budget optimization within security. And you create targeted and it also, you know, you said it, you know, it lets you focus on one thing that's a level five and everything else, but it allows you to segment and it allows you to go to your development teams and your engineering and your architects. And now you start to look at your network differently. You no longer look at your network as operating gearboxes of an engine. You start to look at it as what's important and what's not, right? Yeah. And, and and that becomes a different conversation, and I think it's really gonna gonna be really great once that happens. So, final question for you, Mister Rob: What's one thing you miss about your time in the Air Force? Camaraderie. Uh, even even working parallel in the government, you just you don't have the same relationship with mm-hmm. your coworkers. In the military, you're at each other's houses. You're you're it's a family. I've worked with some really great people and I've had friends across the way, but there's just something about being in a unit with a group of men and women, like your, your godparents to their kids. It is just a different world. It, it, when you join the military and you're in a unit, that's your extended family and nothing I've seen since then can come close to uh, replicating that. That is uh, very true on point. And what everyone has answered thus far. <laughs> so and, no, 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 no uniqueness there then. <laughs> well, it's not about you. So, so there's an answer that you go, um, that, that you go, okay, you're just going with the flow and there's something authentic about what everyone says. And everyone says the same thing. It's, it's, it's not about being unique. It's about the truth of what our military service does. Um, yeah. And it creates a level of brotherhood. We bring that back November 30th, 6 o'clock p.m. You guys can join us if you're a veteran. Even if you weren't on the episodes, you just listened in. You want to be part of the camaraderie. You can register on our website at CyberHub Podcast or on any one of our social media channels. Uh, we'll send you a link. Um, I, I know I've had to grow the room now. Like it's 100 people. We're now, I've got over 100 registrants at this point. So Zoom is going to make a little extra cash 
uh, from me uh, <laughs> um, for the month of December, but I don't really care. Um, it's worth it. So, um, Rob, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for your service, man. Uh, well, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you all today. Yeah, I appreciate and, uh, that. And thank you for your service as well. My pleasure. Thank you. Um, folks, Veteran November's slowly wrapping up. It's really right, <laughs> right, just right there. A few more days left in this month. I don't want it to stop. Um, I, it's been humbling and interesting. And people like Rob is what makes uh, America the greatest country on the planet. Um, and so with everything that we have in our minds and, and, and going on in our lives, just take a moment and recognize that at the end of the day, we're all Americans. That Absolutely. no matter what, this great American experiment will continue to thrive. I don't know what's going to happen. We're recording this uh, a little earlier than the day it's going out. But <laughs> by the time this goes out, hopefully we have a little bit more clarity. Um, but don't don't let the fringe affect us and how we are with each other. Because at the end of the day, um, when we run into battle, no one looks at the other guy and go, who do you think he voted for? Or who did he support? No one asks that question. We run into no one, it together blindly. No one, no one it's, it's your family. It's well, when you're well, together. R- right now, politics has split families, right? I mean, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the last, the last, I won't say the last four years. This has been way before the last four years. It's been, it's been going on for about over a decade now. Um, of, of what politics is, what politicians and, and politics have been trying to do in terms of, uh, divide and conquer, um, but but we can't allow that and hopefully uh, people who are listening in can put that stuff aside and have other conversations than politics with people you disagree with you could talk about the weather sports um movies and covid and give me some ideas rob what else can you talk about uh whether or not you are going to get suckered into the xbox or you're going to do the right thing and get a five playstation five yeah, that is, that is a, you know that that's gonna be heated. I don't know. There's gonna be family spin over that one, man. That's a big one. Like that's the buying decision of 2020, right? It's not. I gotta switch it to the house. Pres- so you know, this isn't even about who you voted for for president at this point. Xbox or PlayStation? Yeah. Right. I'll tell you that, that you know Xbox was winning it for a while because of Halo, but the games have gotten so much better now, and 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 and, and online gaming is made halo I've been, almost obsolete i've been playing final fantasy from you know when three or is it five that we named it three started uh coming in the u.s so uh-huh. playstation will always have a near and dear uh place in my heart so playstation or xbox um you know what rob <laughs> uh, right now when i finish this we're, we're, this is friday the 13th i think what better thing to put on a linkedin's poll rob i'll tag you in it right now i'll post it as we what we get off here folks as you listen to this go to my poll i'll put it up for two weeks all right and vote xbox or playstation are you gonna have switch on there just as a uh to throw it off or just keep it to the xbox like you know actual mercedes versus bmw you don't add a lexus Right. It's like Mercedes BMW. Like, like, why would you add a Lexus to that? Yeah. Con- What's Lexus got to yeah, yeah. do with this? Like, yeah. you know, it's like Lexus trying to make a sports car. People look at Lexus like, stay in your lane, man. Stay in your lane. It, it, it looks good, but it's not the same. Yeah, I mean, Mercedes BMW. Yeah. yeah. 
It's like pickup <laughs> trucks, right? It's like Chevy or Ford. Like when someone pulls up in a Dodge, you kind of look yeah, at Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> no, go back. Just go. Don't get in the frame. Don't get in the race. <laughs> Chevy or Ford, buddy. Right, you're from yeah. South Alabama. You know exactly what I mean. The guy with the Dodge is like, did you see him? He got a Dodge. We, we got a truck, too. I got I got a love kit. Like, yeah, just, just <laughs> no, hang sorry. your head. Get out of here. <laughs> it's Ford or Chevy, right? All right, yeah. that's it for us, folks. Uh, Rob and I can keep going forever. All right, uh, folks, Till next time, thanks so much for tuning in. Stay healthy, uh, wear your masks, be responsible, and stay cyber safe. Thank you. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast and share it with your friends and colleagues and get all the latest information at cyberhubpodcast.com. 